listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. Hey, this is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on another episode of the Rainmaking Podcast. Thank you for listening to this. I've really enjoyed getting to know all of you that listen. I appreciate your comments. I appreciate your reviews. And also, I appreciate getting to know these experts, especially when we have people like Mark Boundy. Mark Boundy is a sales leader. He's an author. He's a consultant. He's a coach. He's the chief clarity officer of his consulting firm. He's grown businesses in all sorts of industries by virtue of his relentless focus on uncovering customer value and delivering high-value results. Mark has worked at organizations such as W.L. Gore and Associates, Miller Hyman's sales company, Lucent Technologies. He's worked in all different types of organizations all over the globe. And today we're talking about why price shouldn't be one of your offering's features. I hope you get some great ideas from Mark today. Hey, this is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. I'm excited about our guest today. Mark Boundy is joining me. And today we're talking about why your price isn't one of your offer's features. Mark, thanks for joining me on the show today. Scott, thanks for uh, having me on and letting me talk about this really important issue. Absolutely. And I like the fact that you've got, in terms of your experiential base, you've got the goods, you've got the resources, you've got the legitimate bona fide expertise of high-level B2B sales, professional services, client development. Kind of give us an overview about where you started at in your career and how you found your way to the work that you're doing today, Mark. Yeah, you know, you do a lot of recruiting and helping people find uh, J-O-B jobs. Mm -hmm. And if you looked at my resume, you'd say, my gosh, this guy has not stuck with anything. Throw his resume out. (laughs) (laughs) But the reality is I have had three different careers in three different industries in three different roles. I've been a product manager with PL responsibility for a business. I've been a product marketing person and I've been a sales leader. And that has kind of given me a different perspective than a lot of people who specialize in one function or in one business all their lives. Right. Then I, be, you know, I kind of became a, uh, a consultant with the biggest B2B sales methodology, sales training shop, uh, Miller Hyman Group. And actually, uh, two of the big four consulting firms in uh, professional services are big Miller-Hyman clients. So I'm very familiar with dealing with uh, the professional services industry. And so that widely varied experience has given me a perspective on some of the things that salespeople don't do real well. That's right. And when you say salespeople, you're not talking about the guy wearing the polyester leisure suit out there with the big uh, cheeky grin, right? Absolutely not. Uh, That guy doesn't want sales training anyway. (laughs) Um, The sales professionals in the B2B world, it really helps to have a methodology and a system so you don't, in the heat of the moment, forget something that works, uh, which we've all done. But what I found out, it was really interesting, when when I was at Miller-Hyman, there was at any given time, 150 sales consultants like myself who were like franchise owners. Right. And so over the course of nine-ish, almost nine years, there was 250 of us, you know, with with the turnover. And those 250 people can account for hundreds of thousands 
of opportunity reviews in every industry you can imagine. Professional services was the biggest segment in that. And every single one of us with hundred or hundreds of thousands of opportunity reviews said what professional sales professionals, even the non-polyester one, don't do well Hmm. is understand the customer's outcome. You know, customers don't buy our products or services. They buy their own outcomes. And never is that more true than in professional services. And how badly they want those outcomes is the value. And the value is the basis for price. So price isn't just one of the features. Price is the balancing point against all the features and all the benefits. And more importantly, all the outcomes that your service offers. So let me kind of bring it back to a third grade level. When you say, and I don't mean third grade level in a bad way, I mean, just kind of keeping things simple. And I've found that if I can keep it simple, I can get my arms around something. So when you say outcome, what would be examples of that? You know, we've all heard that when uh, somebody comes into your hardware store to buy a three eighths inch reversible drill, they aren't looking for a drill. They're looking for a hole. Right. And the reason they're looking for a hole is because their wife asked them to do this, you know, hang a picture this weekend. And so the outcome they're looking for is marital peace. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, I was on a plane a year or so ago, back when people were still traveling. And I sat down next to the president of this company who makes uh, food. He makes the in-store pizzas and calzones that a big grocery store chain has. When you go in on your way home from work and you find this ready to bake pizza in the deli counter and you decide that's what I'm going to cook for dinner tonight, he's the guy who makes that store brand pizza. And he was telling me that it's all about having a great, you know, great ingredients and a great pizza that's just going to be the thing that makes you so glad you walked into that store. And so we talked a little further and it turns out that when somebody comes in to buy that pizza, they also buy some milk and they buy some ice cream and they maybe buy some garlic, you know, frozen garlic knots. And so the end result of buying that pizza for the store is the additional items in the shopping cart. And so I told them, you're not selling pizza, you're selling traffic. Hmm. And he said, yes, you're right. I sell traffic. So once you know you're selling traffic, what do you start doing? Do you change colors? Do you put it, position it in a store differently? Do you merchandise it differently? Do you put the garlic knots on a display next to your pizza? That's a great point. And that's what, that's what you told the guy. You asked him that, right? Yeah. That's, so, that's fantastic. Yeah. So understanding the outcome that your customer is buying. And of course, now the end customer, the consumer is buying, I'm a good dad, right? I'm a great parent. I'm a great provider. I provide a really nice atmosphere with my, you know, for my family. And so now what does that mean about the pizza that you make? Is there a packaging implication? So that makes it really important that the pepperonis look beautiful on top of the pizza. Wow. Right? That's deep. That's that's very deep. Yeah. So the little things become the big things. So I liked what you said that the price and how did you say that again? You said that the price isn't a feature. What, how, how would you describe that? You know, I've over the course of my lifetime, I've met some, I've had some really frustrating and alarming conversations with sales professionals say, well, price is just another feature. And I just trade the price off along with other features. 
And that frightens me. I, I actually had somebody say, well, it's the company's job to make money at the price I was able to sell at. Hmm. And as a guy who used to own the profit responsibility for a business, I threw up a little in my mouth when I heard that. Right. So price, what happens is in the customer's mind and way, way back, I was a research assistant for one of the biggest professors in consumer behavior. So I read hundreds of consumer behavior research studies. So I'm that propeller head that doesn't know whether spin works. I'm the propeller head that knew why spin selling works. Mm -hmm. What's actually going on in the customer? And customers buy outcomes and price is the counterbalance. If you're, you're the think of that two balance scale that, you know, Lady Justice has. Right. On one side is all of those outcomes that you and only you deliver. And on the other side is your price premium. And price is the counterbalance to all those outcomes. And so one thing you could do is reduce your price. The other thing you could do is help the customer see the, the desirability of those outcomes. If they're not aware of outcomes, they don't go in the pan. If so, so let me ask you this. How does somebody do that? And how do we kind of tip that balance so that we can emphasize more on the outcome? It is all about questions. I am sensitive to the modern day, the sophisticated, there's a pitch mentality that exists in the world. Tell a better pitch, have a better story, do value messaging, do storytelling. And all of those are meant to cause a movie to play in the customer's head where they see themselves, envision themselves having outcomes and then deciding how badly they want those outcomes. And so storytelling is sophisticated telling, but telling ain't selling, as we all learned in sales. It's about asking questions. After you've told that story and tried to get the movie to play in the customer's head, ask them a question about what the movie looked like to them, how much they liked the movie. Was it in color or black and white? Was there a missing part that you didn't play for yourself? And so you need to ask questions. You need to build that story in their head with them. You're co-creating a story. So you can't story tell. You have to story build or story ask questions. So uh, best, best questions and best listener wins. I love that. The best questions and the best listener wins. And this is something that I learned getting into legal recruiting. I knew how to recruit when I got into legal. I just didn't know. And I found that the law firms assumed I was good at what I was doing because I was asking good questions. And when you don't know much, you just ask a lot of questions. And they make, and I learned that they're making assumptions based on my skills, based on the quality of the questions that I would ask. But what do you think about that? Do you think that's an accurate assessment? Absolutely. You know, I've come to the point where I walk, when I walk out of a sales call and somewhere at least once during that call, I got that, my counterparty, my prospect or whatever to lean back and say, wow, what an insightful question. <laughs> when I have gotten them to say that, I know that it was not only successful, it was a high value meeting for them. I got them to think, I got them to start playing a movie in their head that nobody else was able to get them to play. So, so let me ask you this. How yeah. do we get to that point? Assuming we have somebody listening to this, they're in professional services, let's say they're a recruiter or they're a lawyer or they're an accountant, and they've got 
prospective clients that know them. Let's assume that they've already earned some sort of trust and you're consulting to them about their meeting that they're going on. What would you tell them on how to get to the point that they can look at it where it's not about price, it's the counterbalance. Don't talk about discounts. Don't look at prices. One of your offers features ask good questions. What, what advice would you give to that person in, in terms of what questions to ask? To somebody that's a known entity, yeah. they've met them at conferences, but they've been invited to pitch work. What would you advise to that person? You know, professional services can overdo this. They over-research a customer so that they can walk in the room and be the expert on the customer's business. And that is part of the right answer. You want to research your customer and understand what their challenges are, but don't be the smartest person in the room. Have Use that knowledge to ask the most insightful questions because what you tell the customer you know about them means surprisingly little. Right. What you get your customer to jointly create that you understand, to create a joint understanding, that's the thing. One of my... In, in my, when I was in uh, financial services, we had a really light funnel one, one month. And so the, we said to the whole team, it's time to just do a, a calling blitz. And the guy who did the fewest calls filled his funnel up fastest. Uh, tell me about that. What did he do? So that- we, we told everybody, let's stop. Stop what we're doing and let's find, <laughs> out, let's find out what Rich is doing. And Rich said, well... I don't make a cold call. What I do is I get on their website and I look at their financials and and I study their industry and I spend, you know, half an hour or an hour coming up with one to three insightful questions that illustrate that I understand their business. And these questions relate to some challenge they have that is a step or two below the surface. And I start the call asking that question. And so you slow down to speed up. Interesting. The rest of us were calling saying, hi, I'm, you know, eh, from GE Capital. You know, do you need any money today? And (laughs) and, uh, it was a little bit more artful than that. But we were doing the typical cold calling sales guy question. You know, the rest of the team was. And this guy was being the value. He was creating value from the very first five seconds on the phone with a stranger. Wow. And and he was the one getting deals. And it wasn't because he told them he knew everything, because that would have taken too long. He asked them a question that showed he knew a lot. And so that engaged the customer to in a process of create co-creating a set of imagined or envisioned outcomes that they didn't know that they could achieve. That's great. Because in professional services, your difference is what individual contributors, you know, individual contributors, individual consultants, individual professionals, it's the insights that that person has and gives and provides. Everybody follows the same gap rules in auditing. So your auditing firm, you know, the, the basic mechanical audit, it's pretty standard stuff. Right. But the services that an individual gives as a result of the audit, as the insights you give to help grow a business, the insights you give to help change management around, you know, if I, if I hire a big firm to help me implement a new software package, 
with a 50% failure rate on software packages, the consultant that helps me with change management has a huge value. So let's just say that your prospect likes what you're saying and they agree. And now we're talking about the price. What, what happens when people offer discounts? If they say, well, we're, we're going to go in and we're going to give you a discount. What, what happens to the situation? What happens to that equation? Yeah, Scott, thanks for getting us back to the topic. Of the, price of the, <laughs> the, the whole thing's a topic, right? <laughs> so what the best sellers in the world start doing as they've been crafting the outcomes is they then, and the best sellers do this naturally and organically, and average sellers are uncomfortable doing it. But the best sellers say, Using that example, they they monetize the value of the outcome. Using that example of uh, helping you implement a software program, but the change management. If you ask them, have you had any failed technology implementations before? And what happened during that failure? What happened? What was the cost? What was the money you wasted? And what what happened to the person who led that charge? What happened to their career? What happened to their credibility within the company? So it's not just the wasted money, it's the wasted careers and wasted life. And it's the, the personal risk. So ask the customer the question, you know, certainly that we all understand risk reduction, but if you force a customer to quantify in their own head what those risks are, what they look like, and what they could spend like, suddenly if there's a 50% failure rate on big technology implementations, and you can take that 50% chance of failure down to a 5 or 10% chance of failure. What is, and these are like 10 and $20 million implementations. How much, just how much money are you possibly, you know, is, have you just reduced in terms of risk? But if your professional services fee is $750,000 or a $2 million to reduce that risk of, of a 5 or $10 million loss, suddenly that huge expensive consulting fee becomes an insignificant thing. And your right. price isn't the thing. It's the outcome that's the thing. It's the risk reduction. And it's the career preservation. I like how you're able to bring that down to a personal level because that's the place that most people will make their decisions, even if they're representing an organization. What, what do you yeah. think? Do you think that's true? Absolutely. I imagine, I tell, you know, when I'm doing sales training, I would, I would say there's a whole buying committee involved in your buying decision. Now, imagine the artificial situation where they actually do get into a conference room, sit around that conference room and make a decision. Every individual in that room has a choice of sitting there quietly, doing nothing, going along with the group, or taking the social risk of voicing an opinion, of advocating for one alternative course of action. What comes out of their mouth when they do that is going to be the money saving and the risk reduction. Right. But the reason they have the courage to do that is the personal career risk. So why they have the courage to advocate is the personal stuff. What comes out of their mouth is the business stuff. Right. And you've got to get both. You've got to give them the courage and the thing to say. That's great. This is fantastic, Mark. I like how your insights can apply directly to those people that are listening today. And what we're going to do, we're going to put all of your links to your content on the show notes and everything. I know that you have this reservoir of information and content that can help those that are in the business of professional services to sell more effectively at higher margins. 
kind of tell us about the offerings that you have. If somebody wanted to reach out to you who's listening today, what do you do? Do you speak? Do you do corporate retreat? Yeah. What's kind of the menu of offerings? I, I, I do speaking, consulting, training. And I used to work in one of the big consulting or you know, sales training shops. And I love the Miller-Hyman methodology. And so, and I've found there's, all of them are good, mm-hmm. but the methodology, you know, Miller-Hyman it was 10% of the Miller-Hyman methodology that had to do with customer outcomes and customer value. Right. They taught it correctly, but they only gave it 10% of the time during your training, 10% of the real estate on the famous blue sheet, 10% of the coaching, but it's 90% of what moves the customer's decision. So what I do with my clients is let's figure out, let's get that 10%. And I don't want to forklift out a new methodology. Use the methodology you have, use the infrastructure around it you have, but let's really dive into that 10% that makes all the difference in the world to your customers. And let's make you really good at that. Yeah, that's great. Like that's Uh, 80-20 rule, you know, focus on that 20% that gets you 80% of the results, right? When I would get together at Miller Hyman, right, 250 people, and I told you that we all agreed that salespeople do the worst at this, (laughs) around the world, right? So with experience base of hundreds of thousands of deals, I can tell you with absolute clarity that understanding customer outcomes and being really good at this 10%, everybody's bad at it. And I can also tell you from my consumer behavior uh, research days that it's the 90% that moves the deal. So we're the worst at the most important part. And so I wanted to create a practice where I don't want to boil the ocean. I just want to make you really good at the most important part. That's fantastic. I love it. You don't want to boil the ocean. <laughs> just helping people get really good at that one variable that has the most impact in people's decision to say yes and at the highest margins, right? Yeah. Now, it's not to like, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> it's not to like. Yeah. yeah, well, when you get elite at it, that means you're not just doing it with salespeople. Everybody who touches the customer, you know, 30 years ago, I started at uh, W.L. Gore and Associates, and there was five roles that touched our customers. And now I have clients that have 12 and 15 roles that touch the customers. There's project management, client success, three layers of customer support, finance, accounting, uh, project management, and every installation, technical engineering. And we tell, we used to tell you know, when there was five, we, we say, well, here, these two are sales. The sales roles sell. The other three just stay in your lane, do your job and come back to the office. Now that there's 15, we still say the same thing. The two or three roles that are sales sell. The other 12 of you just do your job, stay in your lane, come back to the office. The thing is, those 12 roles have trusting relationships with people in parts of the company that sales couldn't hope to talk to, much less have the level of trust. Right. So, all right, I'm trying to make it simple to to only concentrate on what's important, but you know what? You have a ton of resource in your company that touches the customer on a regular basis, has huge credibility with those people, and you don't have to turn them into salespeople, but at least you could ask them, what kind of outcomes are you not experiencing? That over there, Mr. Customer, that looks like a problem. What happens when that fails over there? And who all has to get involved? How much do you think that costs you a year? And then shut up, listen, take the answer back to the hive. You don't have to sell anything about that. But if your salesperson knew that secret, 
that they will never find because they will never see that problem, what will happen to your success? So imagine a professional services organization that teaches their entire workforce, let's say it's associates that are working with a client on a litigation area or a transaction and they teaching them to have a reticular antenna up sensitive to what potential opportunities are, teaching them how to communicate, getting people to that point that you discussed, bringing it back in to those people that have the client ownership that they can go back out and get more work. Yeah. That's fantastic. And that goes with the principle of What's e- is it easier to get a new customer or to keep an existing one, keep an, in- an existing one, get more business from existing clients that way? That's yeah. fantastic. You're, no, you're absolutely right. So tell us then, and what, like I mentioned, we're going to put your links on the show notes. So those people listening, feel free to go back to the show notes where you heard this podcast and you'll find out how to get in touch with Mark. But tell us if, if there were three action steps somebody could take to kind of get started integrating some of these ideas that you shared. And the ideas you shared, Mark, are very rich. And I definitely want to have you back on the show here in the near future. Uh, But what would be three action steps you'd recommend people listening today to kind of get started integrating some of these ideas that you talked about? Well, start out just simple, no pressure. Just connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm not a connect and sell kind of guy. So LinkedIn, I'm Mark (laughs) Boundy. And I think the only other Mark Boundy is some professional golfer in Australia or New Zealand. So just just go to Mark Boundy or email me at marketboundyconsulting.com. My website is Boundy Consulting. I have some videos up on YouTube uh, under Value Clarity, V-A-L-U, no E, Clarity, uh, the Value Clarity channel. I've got some videos. I've got articles that I've posted on the LinkedIn channel. So you'll get a rich, there's over 150 articles on LinkedIn. I've written a book called Radical Value. Uh, Check that out on Amazon. That's great. Well, I think that's a good way for people to get started. I think you've got this great brain that obviously has been there. You've done that. You got the t-shirt. You've got good ideas. And I like how you can articulate that and simplify that for people to take action on, Mark. Thanks so much for being here on the show. And we'll definitely have you back on in the future. Scott, thanks a lot for the time and, and for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.